Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, wherever you are and whoever you're with, uh, I want you to know how grateful we are uh, that you have decided to spend some of your day with us. And with that being said, uh, just to pass along to you, over the past couple of weeks, thousands of you uh, have been joining us online. And so we just are overwhelmed with gratitude uh, that even though we can't be together, uh, we have an opportunity to be together online. So thank you for all the invites. Thank you for all the sharing of links and invitations to join us online. We are so grateful uh, that you have done that and so grateful today that you are there. Uh, gather with friends, maybe with family, uh, maybe uh, you're all by yourself, but wherever you are and whoever you're with, uh, thanks for being with us. Also, I just want to uh, take a moment to encourage you. Maybe you joined us uh, a little late, but right now in all of our chat rooms, both on our website and also on Facebook, our pastors and staff, they're there and they are available to pray with you. Uh, they're, they're available to encourage you. Uh, so if you'll engage with them, they'll be sure to engage with you. And I just want to make sure you know that so you can take advantage of that uh, if you so desire. Now, uh, last weekend, we started talking about something really important. We started talking about uh, faith, hope, and love. And the reason we're talking about faith, hope, and love is it's what you need right now. And it's what I need right now. And it's what the world needs right now. And it's just not what we need in this season, though that's true. Uh, faith, hope, and love is what we need in every season. And when it comes to faith, hope, and love, this is what the church needs to be known for. And for those of you and for those of us who are followers of Jesus, and we call the Creek Church our church, uh, and maybe you're watching today and the Creek Church is not your church, but you're a follower of Jesus, faith, hope, and love is what the church needs to be known for in this season, but also in every other season. Because when it comes to faith, hope, and love, if people wanna know what faith, hope, and love looks like, how faith, hope, and love behaves, how faith, hope, and love responds in the middle of difficult seasons of life, they should have to look no further than the local church. So last week, we started this whole discussion by talking about faith. And here's the definition that we talked about. We said that faith is believing that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do and living my life accordingly. That's what faith is. Faith is believing that God is, that, that is that he exists. And God's existence, as we talked about, it changes our perception of reality. We face reality. Reality is ugly and as difficult and as horrible sometimes as it may be. We face reality, but yet we trust God in the middle of facing reality for who he is and for what he has promised to do. Now we call this type of confidence, we call this type of persuasion, we call it faith. Faith believes that God exists, and faith believes that God is gonna keep all of his promises. That's faith in the scriptures. So last week we looked at Hebrews 11 and I wanna start there again today. So listen again to what the writer writes in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Again, just to recap, in case you weren't with us last week, faith is living in light of the reality that we can see. And faith is also living in face of the reality that we can't see. Uh, when we walk by faith, we understand that God exists. Uh, when you walk by faith and when I walk by faith, I understand that not only does God exist, but God's promises, they set ultimate reality. That God's promises, they establish the parameter for what the future is going to look like. What your future is gonna look like, what my future is gonna look like, what everyone's future is going to look like. And it's that confidence 
that when I believe that and walk in that, it shapes the way that we live, it shapes the way that we respond to moments and events and seasons in our life. In other words, when we walk by faith, we face reality of this life while trusting the reality of God's existence in the certainty and the certainty of God's promises. That's, that's Christian faith, that's biblical faith, that when we walk by faith, we face the reality of this life while trusting the reality of God's existence and in the certainty of God's promises. That's what faith is. Uh, as we talked about last week, faith is believing that God can. Uh, faith knows that God may not, but faith is confident that either way, we're gonna be okay because we can trust our futures in the hands of a loving heavenly father. Now, this type of faith, this great faith that we discussed last week, when we walk by this type of faith, when we embrace this type of faith, when we have that type of confidence in the existence of God and in the certainty of his promises, something happens inside of you when you have that type of faith. Something happens inside of me when we walk in that type of faith. Something awakens deep inside of us. It, it changes the way that we feel. It changes the way that we think. It, it changes the way that we respond to moments in our life. And ultimately it just changes the way that we live our lives. And when we walk by faith, we find something that's impossible to have apart from faith. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And what we find that is impossible apart from faith is hope. When you walk in faith, you discover hope. Someone has said that you can live days without food and water, uh, minutes without oxygen, but not a single moment without hope. Without faith, hope is impossible. Th this is what we need to understand about what we read in the scriptures, that hope is only made possible because of faith. And without a framework and without an understanding and without a perspective that says God's existence is reality and God's promises are certainty, then we have no hope. Faith is what gives life to hope. In other words, hope is the outcome of faith. I don't want you to ever forget that. Let's, let's never forget that. Let's write it down, you know, right now, write it in our Bibles, write it down, you know, type it in our phone. Hope is the outcome of faith. The fruit of faith is hope. Hope is the inevitable, unavoidable consequence of faith. That means that wherever there is faith, there will also be, there has to be hope. If there's no hope, it's because there's an absence of faith. But where there is faith, there will always be hope. Now, when you and I use the word hope, uh, unfortunately, oftentimes we use the word hope um, in a way that's not consistent with the way that the scriptures use the word hope. Uh, oftentimes when we talk in terms of hope, uh, someone comes up and asks us this question, hey, how's this all gonna work out? You think this is gonna work out good? Do you think this is all gonna work out for good? And, and we say something like this, boy, I sure hope so. I, I'm hoping so. In, in other words, I'm not real sure if it is or not, but I, I'm wishing so. Uh, I, I've got an idea out there that I hope comes true, but I'm not really sure if it will come true or not. That's how we use hope. But when the scriptures use the word hope, hope in the scripture means a confident expectation, a confident expectation of what the future looks like. That's what hope means in the scripture. It's confidence about what the future is going to look like. In other words, hope is the present confidence in a future reality. That's what hope is. It is a present confidence, right in the midst of difficulty, right in the midst of a harsh season, right in the midst of a crisis, right in the midst of the storm. It is a pre present confidence in a future reality. And that confidence 
It flows from the belief that God exists and that he's going to keep his promises. This type of confidence, it flows out of the belief that God's promises set the parameter for what the future is going to look like. Your future, my future, our future, the world's future. And when we have this type of confidence, we live as though what God said he will do is as good as done. And it means that in the middle of the season that we all find ourselves in, in the middle of this unfortunate, unprecedented, unwanted, undesired season where we're quarantined and, and we can't necessarily go to work and we can't be around the people that we want to be around, we find ourselves, when we walk in faith, we're able to have a hope that imagines a better future reality, even though what we are currently experiencing in our present is not pleasant at all. And so we're in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of what you know, we call, you know, the bottom has fallen out from beneath our feet. In the middle of all of that, we are able to imagine a future reality even though our present reality is very difficult to endure. And so what this hope does is stabilizes us. It stabilizes our thoughts, it stabilizes our emotions. Uh, it, it allows us to be able to move forward. It inspires us to move forward. Uh, it strengthens us to be able to endure the weight that we're having to carry in this moment and in this season that we're in. Uh, I, I found this and I, I just thought it really spoke to the moment. Anne Lamont, she says, speaking of hope, she says, Hope begins in the dark. It begins when things are difficult. Hope begins in the dark. The stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. That, that's hope. You wait, you watch, and you work. And you know what? You don't give up because that's hope. It gives you and it gives me the power to be inspired to endure the current season that we're in because we're confident of what the future holds. Uh, it doesn't allow us to escape suffering as much as it allows us to endure suffering. It helps us to stay the course without giving up or giving in. Hope says, no matter how big this storm is, no matter how bad this storm is, it's gonna pass. And when it passes, I'm gonna be standing. I'm gonna be the better for it. I'm gonna be the stronger because of it. That's how hope works. So the big idea is this, the consequence of walking by faith is living with hope. And again, back to Hebrews 11, the writer says, this is what the ancients were commended for. Hebrews 11 is filled with examples of men and women who lived with faith and they lived with hope. As we discussed, some of them are named, some of them are not, but all faced moments of crisis, darkness, uncertainty, and fear, every single one of them. But as I read through chapter 11, and as I think about faith, and as I think about hope, I think of one person who emerges as perhaps the most qualified to talk to me and to talk to you about the season that we're all living in. Talking about a man who lived through some of the darkest devastation that any of us could ever imagine. A man who lived through a national disaster. A man who encountered an economic crash. Who lived in the days of uncertainty, when uncertainty abounded. A man who wrestled with the circumstances of his day and at some points in time, he even succumbed to the emotional toil of his day. Yet by the end of his story, he emerges as a voice of hope. He's an Old Testament prophet. He's a man who was known for his tears. He lived during broken times and it broke his heart. And of course, some of you know who we're talking about. I'm talking about Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah had a very difficult job as the prophet of God. His job, his task, his responsibility was to warn Israel that if they didn't change course and return to God, God was gonna let them have their way. And oftentimes when God wants to judge people, he just lets them have their way. He doesn't stand in the way of the consequences of their choices. And so Jeremiah, he, he invited the people to come back to God, to return to God, to change course, to repent. But yet they persisted and they continued on their own course. And God said, okay, I'm gonna let you have your way. And in 588 BC, Babylon, led by Nebuchadnezzar, camped outside the city of Jerusalem. And when Babylon camped outside the city of Jerusalem, they cut off the supply lines. And when they cut off the supply lines outside the city, it created a disaster inside the city because no food was able to get inside the city walls of Jerusalem. A famine broke out inside the city. And because a famine broke out and because they couldn't take the garbage outside the city and because they couldn't deal with the human waste problem inside the city, it was just a disaster. It was nasty. It was unsanitary. And because of that, pestilence broke out. Disease broke out. Sickness broke out. There's garbage in the street, human waste in the street. People are suffering. People are dying. All the while, the enemy is camped outside the walls, just letting time run its course. And then on one night, the Babylonian army breached the wall. They went in, they killed thousands, they destroyed the temple, and then they took thousands of prisoners of war back to Babylon. Jeremiah was there. He had a front row seat to see all of that. Now I can give you the headlines of history and it sounds like, okay, yeah, we've, we've heard storylines like that before. But Jeremiah, he experienced in a way that none of us could experience because he was there. He heard it, he smelled it. He was able to encounter it firsthand with a front row seat. And in those days, for Jeremiah, for the people of Jerusalem, for the people of Israel, things felt pretty hopeless. And it means that in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of that seemingly hopeless situation, that's when hope showed up. That's when hope began to bring light that pierced through the darkness. As G.K. Chesterton said, he said, hope means hoping when all seems hopeless. That's when hope really comes alive. Hope means hoping when all seems hopeless. That's when we discover hope is when things seem hopeless. That's when we are really able to sense hope and appreciate hope and be grateful for hope. Hope means hoping when all seems hopeless. And that was Jeremiah's day. Now, Jeremiah, there's a book in the Old Testament called the book of Jeremiah, but then there's also another book. We don't read it. And there's a reason why we don't read it often. It's the book of Lamentations. It's a book of mourning. It's a book that rehearses the tragedy of that day. It tells us about the devastation of those days. It's a, it's a book of brokenheartedness. It's a, it's, a, it's a book of tears. It's a book that Jeremiah put five poems together and he takes us through those five poems to ground zero. He takes us to ground zero, that devastating place in Jerusalem where all of this horrible stuff had happened. And he brings us face to face with some of the worst case scenarios of life. He brings us face to face to some of the darkest moments that any of us could ever imagine. And so I just wanna read you. Maybe you have your Bible this morning and you can follow along in the book of Lamentations. If not, the verses are gonna be right here on the screen, but I just want you to listen to these words that Jeremiah penned. And I want you to listen as he takes you and he takes me face to face with some of the darkest moments in history. Listen to what he says. In chapter one, verse one, he pictures Jerusalem as a queen has been, as a queen who has been dethroned. He says, Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She was once great among the nations, 
but now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. In other words, things have changed. Things are not like they used to be. She sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all of her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All of her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. He goes on to say in verse seven, he says, in the midst of her sadness and wondering, Jerusalem remembers her ancient splendor. Jerusalem remembers how it used to be once upon a time, a better day, a brighter day, but now she has fallen to her, to her enemies and there is no one to help her. Her enemies struck her down and laughed as she fell. Jump over to chapter two, verse 11, and listen to what he says. Jeremiah says, I have cried until the tears no longer come. He says, there's nothing left in me. This has taken its emotional toil on me. I've cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. My spirit is poured out in agony as I see firsthand the desperate plight of my people. And then listen to how graphic that he gets. Little children and tiny babies are fainting and dying in the street. He goes on to paint the picture of how babies and children are in the street begging for food and begging for drink, but their mothers have no food or drink to give them. They gasp for life and their cries get weaker and weaker and weaker until they become silent. That's traumatic. That's devastating. Those are moments that we can't even begin to imagine what it was like for Jeremiah to see, hear, and experience such a dark reality. This is the book of Lamentations. This is Jeremiah saying, let me tell you about the worst case scenario that happened in my day. In verse 20 in chapter two, he says, oh Lord, think about this. Should you treat your own people this way? Should mothers, and again, listen to how graphic and how bad things got. He said, should mothers eat their own children? Those they once bounced on their knee. He says, things have gotten so bad inside the city. People turn to cannibalism. He says, you can't imagine how dark these moments were. Should priests and prophets be killed within the Lord's temple? See them lying in the streets, young and old, boys and girls, killed by the swords of the enemy? There's a reason why most of us have never read through the book of Lamentations. There's a reason why many of us have never heard a sermon series through the book of Lamentations or one single sermon on the book of Lamentations. It's dark, it's desperate, it's painful, it's full of tears. It's full of things that turn your stomach. It's full of things that you just can't imagine encountering. You just can't imagine facing reality like that and coming out on the other side. But Jeremiah said, this is what happened in my day. This is the national disaster in my day. This was the economic crash in my day. You can't imagine how bad it got. That's what Jeremiah is saying to all of us. He goes on and in chapter three, he says, I am the one who has seen these afflictions. I was there, I experienced, I smelled it. I was as close to it as you can even want to imagine. And then he talks about God and he, he paints God in maybe a, a bit of a disturbing way. He says, God has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. 
He says, God's in control of all of this and, and God has not prevented this. And I feel as though I've been taken by an army that I've been besieged and surrounded. And now I'm only left with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place. And maybe you felt like that before. Maybe we've all felt like that before, that we got buried deep in a dark place like those long dead. He says, he has walled me up. Listen to these words. See the imagery. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. And here's what I love about the scripture. Jeremiah was not embarrassed about how he felt. He, he was not embarrassed by his anguish. He was not embarrassed by his fear. He was not embarrassed by how he felt about the current set of circumstances that he was having to endure. And you don't have to be either. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be embarrassed of how you truly feel. You don't have to paint a picture of feeling better than what you feel. You don't have to pretend to be okay when you don't feel okay. You don't have to do that. That's the honesty of the scripture. That's the honesty of faith, that we can be honest with God. He can handle it. He goes on and he says, he has dragged me off the path and torn me to pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and listen to this. He has made me the target for his arrows. I feel like I'm being singled out. I feel like God has, he scoured this whole landscape and he's got me in his sights. And I feel like I'm right in the, the middle of this storm. He says, peace has been stripped away. And I have forgotten what prosperity is. I have already forgotten what it was like on the other side of this, before this all started. He says, I cry out, my splendor is gone. And then listen, here's the word. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. He said, this is not how I thought it would turn out. This is not how I thought things would look. And for Jeremiah, what he felt, it was in conflict with what he knew. And that's how it goes sometimes in the moments of despair, in the moments of crisis, how we feel we have a difficult time aligning that with what we know. And for Jeremiah in this moment, emotionally, he says, it feels like all hope is gone. This is not what I thought would actually happen. I thought that God was gonna intervene. I thought that God was gonna prevent. I thought that God was gonna step in. I thought that God was going to turn away the Babylonian army. I thought that this was gonna turn out entirely different. And he says, I feel like all hope is lost. He says, I thought of my suffering and homelessness. He's lost his home. He's lost his city. He's lost his temple. He's lost some of his friends. He's maybe even lost some of his family. He says, I thought of my suffering and homelessness. It's bitter beyond words. He says, I can't even find the words to tell you how I truly feel. I can't even find the proper vocabulary to communicate how I feel. He says, I will never forget. I will never forget this awful time. I will never forget how I feel in this moment as I grieve over my loss. He says, I just can't get past it. This has marked me. I will never be the same. This is what Jeremiah is saying. I won't forget what I've seen. I won't, ex I won't forget what I've experienced. I, I won't forget how I feel in this moment. I don't really know if I'm ever gonna be the same on the backside of this, whatever the backside of this looks like. So after he says all of this, after he's taken us to the epicenter of his crisis, 
after he takes us to ground zero of the devastation of his day, he pauses and then he pivots. He pauses and then he pivots and seemingly out of nowhere, he surprises us with these words. Yet I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope. I'm gonna dare to hope even though the moment seems hopeless, I'm gonna dare to hope. In the moment of my deepest despair, I'm gonna dare to hope. In the moment of my pain, I'm gonna dare to hope. In the moment of my disappointment, I'm going to dare to hope. He says, I'm going to change the way that I'm thinking about this. I'm gonna change the way that I'm looking at this. And when he changed the way that he was thinking, it changed the way that he was feeling. And despite how bad it was, and despite reality, Jeremiah decided, He chose to hope. He says, I'm gonna look beyond this moment. I'm gonna look beyond this season. I'm gonna look beyond this particular chapter and I'm gonna begin to envision, I'm gonna begin to picture a future reality, a future reality that is determined by the existence of God, a future reality that is informed by the promises of God. He says, I cannot ignore the reality that that I've experienced, but I also cannot ignore the reality that I cannot even see the reality of God and the reality of his promises. And that decision was just enough light to pierce Jeremiah's darkness. He says, this is what I thought of. He says, I thought about the faithful love of the Lord that never ends, his mercies that never cease. And maybe you've heard it in a different translation that says, because of the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. He says, that's what I'm gonna think about in this moment. In the moment of this season of crisis, I'm gonna think about the faithful love of the Lord, how it never ends. I'm gonna think about the fact that we're down, but not out. We're pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. It feels as though we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. He says, that's how I'm gonna think because I'm gonna be mindful of God's love for me and that his love for me does not change based on my performance. It does not change based on whether I get it right or get it wrong. That God has decided from the very beginning to stick by me, to stick by you through the thick and through the thin, through the good and the bad. God says, I'm not leaving your side. Jeremiah said, that's what I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna think about in the moment of this horror, I'm gonna think about the faithful love of the Lord that it never ends. It never ends, that his mercies never cease. His mercies are like the tender love of a mother, patient and kind and soft. He said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna think about the fact that great is the faithfulness of my God. I'm gonna train myself to think about that God is faithful even when we aren't. I'm gonna train myself to think about that God is reliable even when I'm not. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies, They begin afresh each morning. You can't exhaust his mercy. You can't use them up. And just when you think you've walked to the end of God's mercies, you wake up the next day and they're new all over again. He said, that's what I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna think about his faithfulness. That he's faithful when I believe, he's faithful when I doubt. He's faithful when I respond the way that I should and he's faithful when I don't respond the way that I should. His faithfulness isn't depending on my success or failure. His faithfulness, that's who he is. That's what faith is. Faith believes 
that God is, who he says he is, that he's faithful. That's who he is. And Jeremiah says, that's what I'm gonna choose to think about. I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna pivot, I'm gonna change the way that I'm thinking. I'm gonna say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, or as another translation would say, the Lord is my portion. I'm gonna change the way that I'm thinking. I'm gonna change the way that I'm speaking. And I'm gonna start with the way that I talk to myself. And I'm gonna start reminding me that the Lord is my portion, that God is all that I have. And since I've hit the bottom and since everything changed, I've realized maybe like never before, (laughs) he's all that I need. Because sometimes you may know that God is all you have, but it's not until the lights go out that you realize he's also all that you need. And so he says, I will hope in him. I'm gonna be confident in him. I'm gonna be confident in his promises that God's gonna keep his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God's gonna keep his promise to David. That one day he's gonna send a savior. He's gonna send a king. He's gonna send a deliverer. He's gonna send a hero that ultimately will make everything that's wrong with the world right. He says, because I believe in a future that's determined not by the Babylonians. I don't even believe in a future that's determined by us. I believe in a future that is determined by the promises of God. And he goes on to say, he says, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. He says, in the moment of your storm, in the moment of the dark place, in the moment of crisis, he says, trust him. Place your confidence in who God is and what he's promised to do. Seek after him, look for him, look for opportunities to do his will through the storm. Look for opportunities to further his kingdom in the storm. Wait for him, be patient for him. He will keep his promises. Just be patient and just wait. Jeremiah says, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to decide to trust him. I'm gonna have to decide in this season, I'm gonna seek after him and I'm gonna wait for him. And so here's my question. I think it should be yours as well. What does that look like? What does it look like in the middle of all of this to trust God and to seek God and to wait for him? Well, years later, Jeremiah, he's gonna write a letter to the captives, the prisoners of war who got taken out of Jerusalem back to Babylon. And he's gonna write a letter to them about how to deal with the unwanted season, how to deal with that unwanted moment in your life that you didn't ask for, that you didn't desire, that you didn't invite. And he writes a letter and in Jeremiah chapter 29, he tells that group of people who've been taken off as prisoners of war. He says, here's what you need to do. He says, you need to settle down. You just need to settle into this place that you're in, even though it's not the place that you wanna be. He says, settle in, build houses, plant gardens, have children, find spouses for your children and encourage them to have grandchildren. He says, seek the prosperity of the cities that you're living in. Because as the cities prosper, so will you. He says, I know you're in a place that you don't wanna be. And I know you're encountering a season that you don't wanna encounter. But I'm telling you, in the absence of the situation changing, he says, I want you to learn to be content with where you are and with what you have. So settle down, build houses, plant gardens, have kids, have families. Seek the prosperity of the place where you are. He says, where you are, he says, let me encourage you. Don't miss the blessing 
of this unwanted season. Build the house, have the kids, celebrate the wedding. He says, don't miss the blessing of this season that you're in that you may not have even wanted. Don't just go through it, but grow through it. And don't miss the lesson of this unwanted season. Figure out what it is that you can learn from all of this. Figure out what you can learn by how you got here. Figure out the lessons that may be there in the dark place. He says, use this moment, don't waste it. Leverage this moment, don't waste it. Don't let this moment get away from you without learning contentment, without learning to find blessings even in the dark, without learning lessons from difficult moments and difficult seasons. And this is when Jeremiah, he tells him, he says, this is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years. You're not gonna get out of this. This is not gonna change anytime soon. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again. And then the verse that we've all heard before, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope future. Jeremiah says, we've gone through dark days. The dark days aren't over yet, but here's what we can do. We can envision a future reality that is made possible because of God's faithfulness, his existence and his promises. He says, God has got a plan and you're part of it. And God's plan is not to harm you, God's plan is to help you. God's plan is to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah said to a group of people who had gone through the worst possible season we can ever imagine. He says, as difficult as it may be, hope for the future. Because hope refuses to become a casualty of circumstance. No matter what you're involved in, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've seen or heard, hope refuses to become a casualty of circumstance. I always think about Paul and Silas at midnight in prison after they've been beaten, they lifted up their voice and they praised God. They had hope beyond the jail cell, hope that refused to become a casualty of circumstance. Hope, hope endures the bad things, confident that God works all things for good. That's what hope does. Even in the bad, you believe that God is there working it for good. Hope is confident of this one thing. Every promise God makes, God keeps. And this is why that's good news. This is why this is hopeful. This is why this inspires us and motivates us to hope because God's promises are windows into your future. God's promises, that's what your future looks like. That's what my future looks like. God kept his promise to Israel. He brought his people back home in order to bring Jesus to the world. A Jesus who died for our sin, who was buried and placed in a borrowed tomb who on the third day was a ray, who was raised victorious over sin, sorrow, and death. And the empty tomb of Jesus is God's promise to all of us that the best is yet to come, that all of God's promises are found in Christ and they are yea and they are amen. They are the future reality that you can look to, that I can look to, that the world can look to. It's God's promises that help us see light beyond the darkness, to see beauty beyond the ashes, purpose beyond the pain, life beyond death. It's God's promises that says, no matter how big or how bad this storm is, 
sooner or later, it's gonna pass. And when it passes, I'm still gonna be standing because I've built my house on a firm foundation. And on the other side of the storm, I'm gonna be stronger. I'm gonna be better because of it. That's the power of hope. That's what we all need. That's what the world needs right now. And may every single one of us become voices of hope in a culture that's being infiltrated with panic. Let's be hope because we have hope. And hope is not a thing. Hope is a person. And his name is Jesus. Let's all just take a moment, bow our head, and let's close our eyes right there where, wherever you are and whoever you're with. Let's just take a moment and let's just get ready to pray. Pray for each other, to pray for our community, to pray for our leaders, to pray for the prosperity of our communities, to pray for the prosperity of nations, to pray that in this moment, we don't waste it, that we look for the blessing in the hard place that we learn contentment in the difficult place. But maybe you're with us today, maybe you're watching, maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're with somebody right now and you've, you've never experienced this hope, you've never placed your faith in Jesus. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. You can pray a simple prayer. You don't even have to pray it out loud, but in your heart say, dear Lord Jesus, right now the best that I know how, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were raised from the dead so that I could be forgiven fully and freely. And in this moment, I receive your gift of grace, your forgiveness, your promises. I receive them right now in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to receive Jesus, or you wanna know more about praying to receive Jesus, some of our pastors, some of our staff are right now in those chat rooms, on our website, on Facebook. They're there. Let them know you've made a decision today to follow Jesus. And for everybody else, for followers of Jesus, let me just take a moment and pray for all of you as well. Heavenly Father, for all the folks that are gathering around today and watching on their phones, on their televisions, God, I just pray that you would awaken hope deep inside of our souls deep inside of our heart and deep inside of our mind. God, that in this moment that our faith would be so great that it would bring to the surface a hope like we've never had before. A hope that endures this present reality, being able to picture a future reality that's framed by the promises of God. So God, I pray that we'll be voices of hope, that we'll live lives of hope, that will diffuse hope into our communities, among our friends and family in a time that's difficult for so very many people. And I pray it in Jesus' name.